Fatherhood is the best thing that happened to me, and I'm glad I can share my voice. Dwayne Wade. This is Dadography, a podcast with stories and insights on fatherhood from dads around the globe, dedicated to providing you with the tools and tips to become a better dad. I'm your host, Corey Wood. Well, today I have with me Stan, and I'm going to take a shot here, Stan, and you help me out. It's Rigdal. Rig, perfect. Welcome to the Dadography Podcast, Stan. It's really a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for carving out the time for us, man. Oh, glad to be here. Excellent. Well, do us do us a great big favor and tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Oh, absolutely. I uh, was born in Sweden in 1948, so it's a long time ago. I went to sea and stayed on until I retired 45 years later. Uh, I'm married and I have two sons uh, and a daughter. You're at sea. What, what did you do at sea? Oh, I started out as a mess boy and I ended up as a captain eventually. And oh, that wow. was a span, a span of 45, 45 years. Uh, so that's, uh, that's what I did as a living. So now you're from Sweden originally, so I'm assuming spent the, the majority of your adult life there as, as far as home is concerned. That is correct. And remember now something, we, uh, when we married, we had to agree on where to stay because I met my wife in another city. So we decided to stay in her city because she had uh, all the connections and that was important for her and also for our family. She wasn't un- up- uprooted. She stayed where she was uh, brought up, and that made a huge difference. When you say a huge difference for the, uh, for the upbringing of the children and being around family? Oh, absolutely. Because you, you need a fixed point. Once you start to move around, and specifically as I was doing that in my job also, that would not have been a good uh, solution. So we, we always had our home. So that was our place to anchor. One of the things that, that's really, uh, I guess, a curious thing to me is that Sweden has been uh, routinely ranked within like the top five, top 10 of the world as it relates to happiness. Do you think to some degree or another fathers play a role in that, Stan? Well, that's a good question. I, I don't know how they do the ranking. And, and I would like to talk to those, so, for those guys who do the, the ranking. <laughs> but the fact is, there's something very important. And I think... Uh, my wife, I'm a widower since uh, seven years back, but we were married for 41 years. And she was very practical. And she said two things that I never forgot. One was that uh, women are often more practical than men. And I come okay. back to that because women, uh, they have to do a lot of things, specifically uh, when they are at home. Because they have to, at that time, my wife worked part-time, but most of the time she was in the home. So she had to look after all the kids and do the other things, cooking and cleaning and all the rest of it. Uh, so they had to be practical. How old are your children, Stan? Oh, they are old. Uh, I'm 71 myself. My oldest son is 47, and then one on 45 and one 43. My daughter is the youngest. Uh, she's 43. Thank you for that. That helps, that helps get some context because what I'd like to do uh, a little bit today is see the world through your eyes in hindsight. So there are some things that you know now that you didn't know then, and I certainly hope to, to learn from you as, as well as, uh, as the listeners to the show. What are some of the things that you look back on uh, with your children 
and you say, hey, you know what? I did that right. Okay, that's a good question. First of all, to, to do things right, I think it's easier in, in inside because you're not in the middle of it. When you're young and a father, you have the kids all around you and the wife and the work and all the rest is all adds up. But when you uh, step back with time and look back at that, you, you will see it more clearly. And I think what was really important, and I go back to my wife because she was the one who put this uh, very clearly to me and I then became a part of that. She said, remember something, the home is your castle. Whatever happened to the kids, and she said that to them, that you can always come back to home. And when they were teenagers and maybe got too much to drink, they always knew they could come back, or we would, uh, if they called, we would bring them back. So, so the home was their security from when they were very, very young. Mm. And I think that's, that's the real key. You, you have to that, and you have to take time. Let me expand a little bit. Please. Of, often you have children, and then you tell them, we're going to do this. And they get upset because they were playing, and here you come in. I'm a good example of that. And I tell the kids, okay, we're going to go by the car now, do whatever. No, the way to get around that, because there was always friction, they didn't want to break it up. They didn't have any early warning. So you, you go to kids and you say, if they understand the time, you say, in 15 minutes or half an hour, what we're going to do, we're going to go to the shopping center and we all have to go for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And when they, are, when they don't understand time and still younger, you give them a heads up warning, you know, we, we're going to do this. So then when you come back and you tell them, you know what, now it's time to go this, then it's not a surprise. And even if there's friction, you, you have been able to smooth that a little bit. That's, that's one thing that's important. And something else also is, I think children need rules and they will always test you. Uh, th- that's just a fact. Right. But when you give them rules, it's very important to tell them why you want to have that rule. So it's not like a meaningless thing and, and they don't have a clue. You have to do a little more explanation. I think that's the key many times. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a, a good rule to, to, to have as a rule of thumb when it comes to raising kids, giving yeah. explanation. So let me ask you this as it relates to maybe Swedish culture. And I'm obviously coming from a Western culture. In the U.S., there is... Uh, a very strong sense of, okay, you're 18, you're out of my house now. And parents are then free, uh, as it were, to uh, go on with their life. And the kids, you know, they maintain communication. But generally speaking, you know, parents and kids are waiting for this majestic 18th birthday so that now the parents are no longer parenting, as it were. Is that that similar in Sweden? Or or how does it work when children uh, leave the nest so to say. I don't know if there is a common rule. I think it's like this, and I think one should remember that. Children grow up and become adults. Mm-hmm. That, that Parents have a tough time with that sometimes. And, and, the, and the children have, the, have to know that parents are always parents. But at the same time, the children will grow up and become adults. And that's, that's a big step for, for both the parents and the children. Mm-hmm. So uh, you shouldn't look forward to something. You should look forward to make sure your kids get, get the best education they can. And when they are able to do so, they, they will leave the home and hopefully come home and visit. Right. But because what happens when they go out and they disappear, and I've gone through that uh, period in time, it will become very quiet in your home. You, you really you, you, you miss them in between, and you're not used that it's so quiet. And then suddenly when they come home, because it's always their home, 
you know, they, they, they walk around like children in the home. And then, right. you get, then you get upset because, my Lord, we, we had peace every four, but now they are, the lights are on everywhere and God knows what. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a mix. And I think one has to understand that and talk about it. And, and you have to talk about your feelings so they know instead of just being upset or irritated, tell them why. And maybe you can hopefully uh, come to some set, settlement. And what I found, what I'm happy for, for and specifically when my wife was living and my, our children were grown up, they always called home, uh, not every day, but even if they had a problem or a bad day on the job uh, mm-hmm. or a bad boss, uh, they would call. And even to my day today, my daughter called, I think a couple of days back, because there was she didn't felt she was rightly treated on the job. And I listened with, listened with, uh, with sympathetic ears and, Sometimes you can give advice or, you know, just be there for them. And right. even if it doesn't change anything for them, it feels better to have spoken about it. And I think we should encourage that. And if you, even if they call when it's a bad time, you know, whatever you're eating, I used to push the food away and I say, you know what, I'm, I'm here, I, I listen. Because mm. that's, if you go the other way and say, you know what, I'm eating now, can you call later? You have missed the opportunity. And also with children when they are small, the key is because he, you can't tell a kid who comes with a problem, that's nothing, because for you it's nothing. For the child, it's a big problem. So listen to them and try to guide them or at least listen sympathetically. And that's sometimes tough because you have so many other things around you, but try to not miss that. Uh, and I have done my mistake, a fair share of them, that I didn't take that time at that specific moment. Right. That leads me to my next question. If you could hop in a time machine and go back, I mean, you've got a 47-year-old, a, a 43-year-old. So now your children are adults. But if you had the chance um, to you know, hop in a time machine and go back, what's something that you would do different, Stan? I, I can say that very clearly. Uh, I would have spent more time than uh, when we were putting them to bed. Because that was the time then they want to talk about if there were some concerns or something that had happened. Because as a father, at, at least me, I, I was more eager to, to put them to bed and then go down and have a cup of tea or whatever with my wife. That's, that's, the, that's I think. And I should have told them more that I love them. Mm. Those, those two things are keys uh, when I look back for me yeah. and for the kids. You know, I think about your, your wife's wisdom and telling you and the children that the home is the castle. And I wonder uh, if that to this very day plays a role in situations like your daughter calling you just uh, to, to get that listening ear, you know? Oh, absolutely. And my son used to call me up also with all this. He lives in London, the oldest. Okay. And with all the modern technology, the talking is not, not the problem. And I, I, we share a lot. Uh, and it comes in waves. And I think life is like that. I go back to my wife I lost seven years ago. People say, okay, now it's five years or now it's three years since she died. It doesn't work like that. It has nothing to do with time. Emotions and feelings and all the rest comes in waves. And when they come, you have to deal with them. Right. So, so don't push them under or say, well, you know, we, we don't have to talk about this or whatever. It's so long ago. It's not the key. And it's the same with the kids. When they come, take their time. I'll give you a short example here. Okay. Uh, Kids want to be video. So if you're washing the car, if you're one of those, mm-hmm. then for sure, 
have the kid video because that's they like to do. They, they, they want to be with you doing the same thing or just be around. So I think you, you share what you do and they, they, they like that. They, if you give them a bigger because they're bad, bad conscious, it's very common they give the kids a bigger toy or whatever. It's fun for a week if you're lucky, but it's not the point. The point is you spend time with them. Hey guys, this is Corey, host of the Dadography Podcast. This episode is sponsored by and dedicated to you. Thanks for all your feedback and support. I mean that. However, if this is your first time tuning in, please be sure to subscribe. And if you've done that already and you're getting some value from our interviews with dads from around the globe, please share. Teamwork makes a dream work. Now back to the show. You know, you're actually the second father on the show that used that exact example, washing the car. When I heard it the first time, and it's the same here now, the second time, I thought about dads who immediately think, oh, quality time with the child means Disney World, or it means, you know, some fancy vacation. What what you're implying is the normal, everyday sharing life together is just as important, if not more important than, than those huge trips. I mean, you mentioned if you could do something differently, you, and I did take a note of this, and this is probably going to be one of the major insights of the show is that, you know, spend time with them when you, when you put them to bed, if you, if the kids are young enough. And also when they get older and a teenager or whatever, go in and say good night or give them a hug. I think that's, that's the key. Uh, that, that you show the emotions and don't just try to be something that comes and goes. Yeah, uh, that's that's much more important than than I think. At least I knew at the time, and uh, I'm not the only one who have made that observation later on in life. Well, it's a, it's definitely an observation that I've gleaned and I've seen. However, in speaking to dads here recently from around the world, right. I'm really just starting to see the value of it even more so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What was your dad like, Stan? What was what was your father like? Oh, he was a character. He was a teacher. So he was used to, to tell tell people, I mean tell tell children what to do. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 reflected pretty much his uh, relationship with us. And I remember if he had done something uh, bad, then then he always put up and if it, or if he was in a bad mood, he, he put us to work right. or do something around in the home. So that's he was very self-centered. My my mother, or, or I have a brother. Mm-hmm. My my mother was just the opposite. So there, there was a little balance there. But I, I think he was uh, he was a typical teacher, and that that was ingrained in him. Uh, so that's why I remember him. Uh, disciplinarian for sure. Yeah. Uh, not not violent, but he had the respect. That was no no question. So I think so, my my mother covered a lot for us on to to make a balance. It sounds like you uh, took a detour from his fathering style. From you, I hear uh, a lot of love. Obviously, I know uh, because of the job that you had, it required you to have a lot of travel. So it sounds like you you took somewhat of a detour in terms of his parenting style. Yeah, I I did. But here is the the thing. The one who was the lighthouse or the real eye-opener was my wife because she came from a family that was very different from, from mine. Okay. Because they had uh, a lot of social activity and a very, very caring father mm-hmm. uh, and mother. So, so she was able to point out a number of things for me that I wasn't so sure about. Uh, yeah. So I'm um, uh, very grateful to her. 
for, yeah. forever, to be honest with you. She sounds like she was really your rock, man. She was, and also for the children. And, and the home was our home, and I, I never forgot that. And you know, sometimes when you live in your home and day by day, you don't appreciate that. But uh, when I look back, for sure, I can't tell you enough uh, how grateful I am, or we all are, to her. Obviously, seven years ago, she passed, and so that in and of itself is tragic. Being the father or the head of the home, your children, though, were already adults. How did you implement comforting them? I can only imagine it was a great pain for you, but you know, how, how did you comfort your children? We spoke about this uh, a lot. You know, we have memories, and as I said to you, it comes and goes in waves. If I may expand for a sec, uh, we stayed in this uh, house for 36 years together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a dead-end road, so everyone knew. There, there was not a lot of traffic. And, uh, but I remember once she died, uh, the whole thing changed. I, I just felt I didn't want to stay. You know, I had uh, neighbors who, when they saw I, I drove my car sometimes in the morning, they saw I came, they turned around and walked in, and others just looked down on their shoes or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe I would have done the same. I don't criticize them. But I, I thought at that time, and you also become very sensitive to what people do and not do. And if I would give a recommendation there, because death we're going to have to deal with all of us sooner or later and in different uh, situations. But the only thing you have to do is to go up and say, I, I understand or whatever. And, and one thing is for sure, make sure you have time if you're going to ask them, how do you feel? Because you have to let them speak, and they will do that. You don't have to say very more, uh, very much more than to just be there. Uh, so that's how you're going to deal with that. But the fact, going back, uh, I, I just didn't want to stay. Uh, so I told my kids, it's also your home. You take your time, and you take whatever mm-hmm. you want that you would you know, take to your own homes. And they did that. That took a year. And then selling the house didn't take a week. But I never looked back, and I never regretted that I sold the house. Right. Uh, my children, of course, they already had their own homes, and they were just happy to get a lot of things from, from our home. Listening, comforting, uh, being there for them, supporting them. Oh, absolutely. And remember, it, once again, it comes in waves, and when it does it, don't push it away. Deal with it, uh, talk about it, or even if you have no one to talk to, go out and run or do some exercise or whatever. Yeah. But just yeah. don't sit and stay in, in the same position. I'm going to segue from that that topic just sure. a little bit here as it relates to your children that are adult children now. When they were younger, did you encourage them towards a particular career or field of study? No. The only thing we did, and that, that goes also for my wife, we insisted that they should have a decent education or a platform to stand on. So what they, And that was because both were not really sure about what they were going to do. Right. So we said, whatever you do, make sure you have a platform to stand on so you can then go wherever you like. And, and they did that. And my sons, they are consultants in finance, and my daughter is a dietitian. Okay. Is university free in Sweden? Yes, they are. It, it's unbelievable. It's, you only have to, of course, buy, for, buy the books and your room and board. I can tell you for certain that would be a huge burden off a lot of fathers' back. What about the quality of education? Were you pleased with it? Is there particular things that, that you liked about it? Yes, of course, there are different schools or different universities. But uh, with my kids, they did very well. And, and I'm, I'm happy for them. So you said your sons are, are consultants. Your daughter's a, uh, a dietitian. Do your sons uh, have children? Yes, they do. 
uh, a daughter in both cases, and they live in London. What about their fatherhood style? Do they mirror you in a lot of ways? Oh, they are better than me. <laughs> I can tell you that. They pay much more attention. They spend much more time with, the, with their children. Mm. Uh, and both have only a, uh, one, one daughter each. So I guess they, they, they prioritize uh, <laughs> that daughters or their daughters. Yeah, I guess that's understandable. Do you get a chance to uh, see your children often? Uh, a couple of times, uh, at least one, uh, all of them, once, once a year. Well, I tell you what, it sounds like it was a, a really good experience fathering uh, your children. And it sounds like, obviously, it, over the years, you've taken some hindsight and look back and see uh, adjustments that you would have made or could have made. Uh, do you give or did you give your sons any advice uh, on fatherhood that perhaps you could share uh, with our listeners? Well, as I mentioned maybe before already, that that take time with the, with the children, and specifically also when they go to bed. Listen to when they talk about problems or concerns, take the time. Mm-hmm. That's the key. You will never regret that. Even if you have to put something else, work or whatever aside, you can always catch up on that, but you cannot catch up on the moment the kids come to you and ask for advice or a sympathetic air. Agreed. Is there anything that you would consider to be, if not 100% unique, then definitely culturally applicable to Swedish fathers? That, that's a tough one, because Sweden has, I think, 25% immigrants, and they come from all over the world, mm. and they, they all have their intakes. But I'll give you an example that was, I think was a... a Something I can remember. I, I did something wrong to my daughter. I can't remember if I said something wrong or whatever. But the fact was, she was maybe three or four. Mm-hmm. And my wife reprimanded me. And I, I knew I was wrong. So I go into my daughter, who was three or four, as I mentioned. And I said, you know what? I'm sorry. I was wrong. And she took her little hand and just touched my, uh, my face. I never forgot it. It was so nice. Apologize and get that response. So my point is, when you are wrong, there will be times. Admit it, apologize, you, ne- you will never regret it. If you don't, you, this will build up and you will have a bad conscience one day. Well, i tell you what, Stan, you've given a lot of insights and incredibly grateful for, for what you've given us today. Oh, I'm glad to be there. And, and remember now, the, the real good thing in life, I'm a, I'm a grandfather now and everyone else will also be one day. So yeah, being a being a, a, a grandfather, I'm assuming you probably actually get a chance to uh, hop in that time machine and make some of the changes that you spoke about. Oh, absolutely, and and it's a privilege because uh, you know you don't have the responsi- responsibility in the same way you, the way you have with your own kids. Right. So the grandchildren, you can spoil them, of course, not too much. But <laughs> it's a it's a different page. It's like dad 2.0, right? You're, right, you're exactly. You're another level. Well, Stan, we really appreciate all the insights you've shared. Thank you for coming on to Dadography. Today's fatherhood insight comes from Stan Rigadal, a father of two sons and a daughter who hails from Sweden. At 71 years of age, Stan had some meaningful insights for us today. Number one, Make sure your children know they can come home, no matter what. It's their safe haven. And number two, Stan gave a glimpse through the lens of hindsight. 
saying that if he could do anything different, he would have spent more time with his kids. Gentlemen, take advantage of the present and spend more time with your kids. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Dadography Podcast. Thanks very much for listening. I would, however, like to invite you to be a part of the show. Visit our website at dadography.net. Scroll down to the bottom of the page. Click on the microphone. Tell us your name, where you're from, and what fatherhood means to you. Remember, it takes more than DNA to be a dad.